And all of a sudden I was in this lie. And I think to protect myself, I had to make it a truth. So for many years, I didn't even understand the difference between this secret that it even was a secret. I just thought it was kind of truth. And then I think finally one day it clicked in where I was like, that never happened. Welcome to the Secret Life Podcast. Tell me your secret. I'll tell you mine. The best way to support the show is to subscribe and share. If you haven't left a review or ratings on iTunes, please do. It helps more people find our show. And if you want to be on it, please shoot me a note at secretlifepodcast at iCloud.com. Welcome to Secret Life Podcast. I'm Brianne Davis-Gant. Today, I'm pulling back the curtains of all kinds of human secrets. We'll hear about what people are hiding from themselves or others. You know, those deep, dark secrets we probably want to go to our grave with. Or, you know, those lighter, funnier secrets that are just plain embarrassing. Really, the how, what, when, where, and why of it all. So today, my guest is Alexandra. I have a question for you. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) What is your secret? Oh, I'm so excited to finally share this secret um, because it's so dumb and it's been compounded over years and years. So I'm not even sure when this secret started. It's so very stupid and I'm so excited to share it with you. The secret is that I have made up this funny story that I tell people a little too frequently Okay. to get them. I I don't know why I do it. So I'm excited to talk with you about that. But so the secret is, and the lie is that when I was about six, I went to Disneyland Mm -hmm. and I went on the haunted house ride and I was on the ride with my uncle and he was scaring me and I got so scared. I fell off the ride right in front of the card reading lady. That that was always the the stories that I, I slipped off the ride and fell there. And isn't that exciting? This has never happened to me. <gasps> I don't know where this came from. I don't know what this lie is. I I just it started there. And then I remember someone was like, "Isn't there a like a bar that you can't get out of?" And I remember being like, "Yes." But I was so skinny at the time that I just slipped under. Like people would challenge me on this and I would just keep making it bigger. And I have no idea. So that never, ever happened. But I tell it all the time. And I don't know why. Because it's so stupid. Wait, okay. First of all, how many times have you told this secret slash lie? Like, I would say... I told it probably like a hundred. Holy And it keeps getting more involved. It would get to the point where I'm like, and I was crying and they had to stop the ride and the lights came on. Like it just kept evolving into this larger and larger story with me at the center surviving an ordeal that was also kind of cool and funny because I think as we were kids, we all loved Disneyland. So it was this sort of like, whoa, so you've been backstage and like the Imagineers had to come out and get you, you know? And it's like, and also like my uncle was like the cool uncle. So it was just like a very cool experience to happen to me, which of course never actually happened. It was so funny because when you asked me to come on this podcast, I have lots of like dark and dirty, fun secrets, but that's the one that kept coming up. And I have so much shame around it. So much like childhood shame that I was like, I think I have to get this off my chest. 
when did you first tell this secret lie? Like what age were you? Like right after you got I back was. from Disneyland? Like what was, where was the situation? We need details. So I believe I was on the playground at my elementary school. I want to say that I was in fourth grade. And I think a lot of stuff was happening at home around that time. Like what? Well, so my father, (laughs) now it's getting darker. My father was murdered when I was four and a half. (gasps) So I had a very sort of, you know, I think a lot of people would be like, oh, they're probably need, you needed to have a stricter childhood, but it was really fun for me. It felt like we were in some sort of fun movie where my mom was my best friend and my little brother had just been born. And we were, you know, I remember once I was like, mom, can I have ice cream for dinner? And she said, well, there's dairy in it. So sure. You know, like it was sort of this magical time of all of us just kind of surviving together as this unit. Yeah. Like doing anything you can to survive yeah. this horrific situation. Yes. And my, my little brother was three days old when my dad was killed. So mm. I have so much respect for my mom for just surviving that and still teaching us, you know, love and, and like, she's just as a, a strong, incredible woman. But I think one of the ways I, after he died, one of the ways I would get a lot of positive reinforcement was that it didn't quite match up yet. You know, cause when your father dies and you're very, very little, you, you don't quite understand that he's dead yet. Right. It's like, right. you, you just don't know what death is. Even so, if they say death, you just like keep thinking they're going to walk through the door or you yes. just, it's, there's no reality to it. Right. Yes. Yes. And as you say, walk through the door, I'm like, that's exactly, I always thought he would like kind of look like Dick Tracy and just walk through the door and be like, sorry, I've been on a business trip or that he's like a cartoon where if you hit him with a hammer, then he like dies, but he comes back in the next episode. You know, like it was like, it's almost like you lived in this alternate reality. You had to, to survive that loss. And I think that when I first told this story and I was on the playground and around that time, I did not have a lot of female friends. I, I, I was pretty tomboyish and the girls mm-hmm. that I was friends with were just becoming very manipulative in that way that all little girls kind of do. They learn. Like I remember one girl, her mom was a therapist and she brought a, a planner with her to school and she would schedule us in for lunches. Like it was very, <laughs> very extreme. <laughs> That is crazy. I need to get her on the show because that is crazy. I know. And it was like, I think that like the principal was like, you guys, um, girls, you have to stop doing this stuff. You know, like it was, it was just weird like that. And I think I was trying to figure out how I remember being on the, the playground and like was kind of hanging out with the cool girls that day and was trying to figure out how to stay in the good graces of it. You know, so it's like, do you say anything? Do you not say anything? Do you smile at that? Which way do you hold your legs and your hips and like, you know, your arms? Oh, it was like, for me, everybody was getting perms. Oh. And I have such <laughs> fine, straight hair mm-hmm. that my hair never hold, held perms. So my mom had to give me four perm jobs and it still, it just no. was like, a, yeah, Did it you, was really depressing. Were you like kind of proud the first time though? And then like, or were you just like, no, this has never been. It didn't work. Didn't. It the The perm didn't happen for me. Like, I'm so sorry the perm didn't happen for you. But go on. So this yes, girl's penciling so, you in for a lunch date. So yeah, like I'm kind of like, we're all hanging out. We're trying to figure out what to play. And I remember one girl asked, um, what's your favorite Disney character? 
And I kind of remember looking around the group to be like, oh God, what's the answer? And I think I said like Ariel or, you know, cause like Little Mermaid was just like really big. And um, this other girl goes, that's dumb. I like Cruella. And I remember thinking like, oh, that's so cool. You know, like I was like, I was like, oh, oh my God, wait. a fourth grade girl picked Cruella? <laughs> yes. Oh, wow. And then Is everyone the started- girl that penciled in people's names? Yes. Like oh, she was wow. cool. Like that's very, that's a very cool answer. Now I'm like, and I feel like it was my inner truth actually was like, probably would have said Ursula instead of Ariel. Like I really loved those big brash, you know, villains in those movies. Like I found them very relatable, but I so wanted to be the pretty princess. But anyway, so I think like, I just thought that was so cool. And then I was like, well, I just went to Disneyland like last year or something with my uncle who lives in LA. And they were like, did you see any celebrities? And I was like, yeah, Goofy and like Minnie Mouse. And they were like, cool, you know? And then I was like, yeah. And I went on the haunted house ride and they were all like, oh my gosh, wasn't it scary? And I was like, so scary. Yeah, that's what it was. So scary. I fell off. And I think (gasps) that's what it came out of was this like, let me one up. And all of a sudden I was in this lie. And I think to protect myself, I had to make it a truth. So for many years, I didn't even understand the difference between this secret that it even was a secret. I just thought it was kind of truth. And then I think finally one day it clicked in where I was like, that never happened. And it was like, maybe two years ago. Like, it was like, <laughs> if, were you like sitting somewhere in this thought? Or were you like, where did this thought go? Wait a minute, that actually never happened. I was in a 12 step program. <laughs> I was oh. in my 12 step program. And I was listening to someone talk about manipulation and lies. And I was like, well, I don't really do that. And then I went Disneyland. Like, you know, it was just so it like, like echoed in your ear. <laughs> yeah. I was like, no, you do really bad. You know? And so I just was like, oh, I'm a fucking liar and manipulator. You know, like it was just such a bummer. And I think I'm like, I feel a lot of shame about it, even though it's such a, you know, I can have so much compassion for that little girl just trying to fit in, but like, and, and trying to survive this moment in time and not get kicked out of the group, but I still feel just so much shame around it. You know, it's like, I go straight back to being that little girl in that little body. Yeah. Like you had to tell the lies to survive. Did you feel after that, was there other times you elaborated in your life or just like little white lies or? Oh, yes, I think so. I mean, like I'm (laughs) thinking about this now. Um, Yeah, I think, you know, I once heard a comedian talk about, a, cause I tend to do comedy. That's where I live. Um, but I'm not a standup, but I just, I found that if I could make things funny or a little bit extreme, I would be accepted. So I think it's a little bit in the, the mean girls group again, where it's like then going up into high school or college. I remember I got away with something because someone was like, well, that's Alex. She's just funny. You know, like it was always kind of like that was the way that I could communicate with people. And this comedian once said, sorry, getting back to that, when we comedians tend to uh, exaggerate the truth, just to get that, to get to the kernel of what was really happening. And then you expand it and explode it and turn it into this funny story. And that when you are funny, people tend to be less threatened by you. And I'm a very tall woman, you know, I take up space, I intimidate people when they first meet me. And so I think like by, finding the funny in things and maybe changing the story to make myself the butt of the joke. Because very rarely was I actually ever cool. Like this story about Disneyland isn't like a cool story, really, maybe to a six-year-old, but like 
it's not really cool, you know? <laughs> so I, I like, there's no way to even fall off the ride. I later found out when I actually went on it where I'm like, that's not a, that's not a fucking thing. So, um, anyway, so, <laughs> so I think that now I've done that. And then in dating, I do that sometimes. And it's all usually to diminish myself and my power to make myself appear less scary or something to make myself like, can you say a couple of the things you say while dating? Like just those things that you just maybe just exaggerate or don't tell the whole truth? Yeah. Well, I think I'm trying to think of things I do where, but it's even like I'm lying to myself or keeping a secret from myself where I'll be like, oh, I'm so excited for this date. And then I'll say, you know, you're not, you're nervous. And then I find myself apologizing to the guy and like making lots of jokes and being like, sorry, I'm just really bad at this when really I'm actually pretty, I always get the second date. I have a really good time, you know, little lies like that. You know, right now I'm doing both acting and writing. And I will tell people that I'm a writer only and that I hate acting because I, it used to like hurt, like, because not succeeding in it has hurt. So I will tell myself, I will tell these little lies so that I don't appear somehow less than to someone almost like, well, I've given up acting now and now I'm a writer and I'm, I'm doing very successfully at it. So, you know, I broke up with it, you know, like these sort of little things that feel like are very, they're not, these aren't like sexy fun lies. These are like lies that I'm telling myself to stay in the group still, but they're older, kind of more mature lies, right. you know, where it's like, how can I define myself and not appear weak? So you won't kick me out. Right. Because what if the truth is that I actually really miss that thing? And what if I want to do both? And what if it's sad and frustrating that, you know, life isn't fair and there aren't enough jobs to go around when you're an actress or you're in the arts or that kind of thing. So you have to find other things like that's sort of a bummer lie. So it's always kind of more fun to not share that or not fun. I guess it's just a, a defense mechanism to not share that, to stay in what's safe so that I won't get kicked out of the group. So I feel like I'm still stuck in that age a little bit saying that I fell off the Disneyland ride, mm. you know, but now the Disneyland ride is actually acting, you know, <laughs> or the arts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like all the things where it's like, is there something wrong with me? Okay, well, I'll tell little half truths around it instead of the vulnerable core of it, because what if you reject me? Yeah, it seems like, yeah, and that in that you have your foot in in and out. So you are protecting yes, yourself. I think so. so you're not showing your whole heart. Mm -hmm. When let's go back to like these little lies, which I, I let's look at all okay. of them with these seven Great. deadly sins. So I'm going to name them for you. And you tell me where these like little lies and little secrets okay, lie for you. So we got pride, greed, lust, gluttony, envy, anger, and sloth. Hmm. Well, I feel like the Disneyland one is maybe it's somewhere between pride and envy where I think like definitely pride, like, right. I want to be accepted, but I think there also was something as a child about being like, Oh, do you have a home where it's important to go to bed at this certain time? I went to Disneyland and that felt like such a normal thing, but the other, Oh, I forgot about this. My mom is a gift to us. When my dad died a couple weeks later, we went to Disneyland to feel better. We like, went to the Disney. I totally forgot about this. We went to the Disneyland hotel. My mom bought me like a princess crown and we went all around there. So I think it was a very special place for me, you know, 
I think that it was one of those places that made me feel like I was everybody else a little bit. And then when I came home, I was other in this very different way. And we get a lot of positive reinforcement of like, oh, there's the girl whose dad died. Let's like give her, give her special attention, but not. And, and it wasn't like your dad just died. He was murdered. It was. So there's all this unknown and drama and around it. And as a kid, how do you even compute that? And it's like, he was on, you know, it was a, the murder was, they were looking for the guys that killed him. And so he was in the, the news, his face was in the newspaper. Mom was going to, you know, court dates. It it was just, it was a lot. Um, And she did such a beautiful job of protecting us from that, but it still was just around, you know, we had a great support group, but I think it was like almost kind of, so I, I would say envy because I think that there was a part of me that was like, I wish that it was simpler. And that because the feedback I was getting was for, the positive feedback I was getting often was from my trauma. You know, it was like, that's where the attention was coming from was, oh, you're a broken little girl. Let's love you extra. Or, you know, that sort of thing instead of me being me. And so I just kind of played into that, I right. think. And and those other lies when you're dating now and those kind of things, you just tell half truths. Where do you think those lie in those mm. sins? Do you want me to name them? We do one more time. Yeah. Yeah. We got pride, greed, lust, gluttony, envy, anger, and sloth. I think those, I think those are pride. You know, I think it's really hard to be a single woman in her thirties at any point in time. And it's getting better, but I think that there's this idea that women in their thirties are desperate baby, you know, panic buyers. Yeah. It's like, wait, are you, so you're single and you want a child eventually you have a 401k get in here. You know, it's like, there's this like scarcity mindset. Well, they tell us, I mean, our clocks Mm -hmm. are ticking, you know, even though women now in their forties are having babies. If you go to a doctor, they immediately tell you, like, if you're planning on having a child at, they'll tell you at 33 and you're like, wait, I'm only 33. I'm not having a child. And they're like, but you're geriatric now. uh, And they don't tell men that they're, they're not their penises, their sperm. (laughs) The thing that comes out of their penis is also like not as viable as they get older. Also, you know, that this is actually, we are the same, but because of, you know, the patriarchy, I think that women are constantly told that they are have a, a date. I remember uh, President Trump said, like, women over 35 are useless, you know, and I, I think that like, that got somewhere in my head, right? <laughs> Screw you, you're a terrible human being. But, but I think that that sort of fear, again, of being on the outside, on being othered, of being of no one wanting you or something like that, you know, and I'm a girl that grew up with a dead dad. So you can certainly point to that sort of fear there. And my therapist has many times and we work on it, but I do think that there's like, if every magazine is telling me that I'm missing out because I don't have a partner, it hits that ego place. It hits that pride place where really in the last year, I think for the first time, I'm genuinely so happy to not be in a partnership. Like I, I really like being single and, and feel completely whole. So that's like a really wonderful gift that's happened. Now that I go on dates, I think I can feel that little pride. I can feel it in my chest, that little like, "Mm," you know, (laughs) like don't reject me. And, and, and somehow it feels sometimes like the 14 year old girl inside of me that first found out about dating is still dating. 
and she's much more comfortable lying. And I, as a adult human person know that like, there's nothing I need to lie about because I really like myself, but it's almost retraining yourself or, or bringing all those parts in, you know? Yeah, definitely. I mean, especially when you come from mm-hmm. trauma, your, your brain usually stops developing when that trauma right. happened. Now, I do want to hit on who you think the the secret and these lies benefit and who have they harmed? Mm, I think both answers are myself. You know, I think, I think it's like, especially this, this central sort of Disneyland <laughs> dumb secret, you know, <laughs> that's like so innocuous, but also so telling of my own um, relationship with self-worth over the years. Um, I, no one, no one would, it, it doesn't hurt anyone that I did that. No one like thought I was super cool. That's now coming up to me being like, you're a lot, you are someone so different than who I thought you are. You know, like no one's, no one's like, if I had sued Disneyland, maybe then it, someone would have hurt, but it wasn't, you know, like, I, I think that the person I hurt is me. And also I benefited, right? Like I was cool in that moment with the girls on the playground. It was like, Cruella de Vil, yeah, well, Haunted House, Disneyland, and trauma there. And everyone's like, right, trauma girl, look at you, like, still living trauma. You're so strong. Like, there's some, there's something there, right? <laughs> As misguided. There yeah. is something there. And it's like, when you get that affirmation of being in the cool group, I can imagine then you keep doing right. it because you got a good response. Yes. So the part where you hurt yourself, though, is that you aren't being honest. You aren't, you're making life harder. You you have to keep up this, this lie, even though it's a very silly one. Like if anyone brings it up <laughs> and it's like, I was just at Disneyland and they actually like have these like bars and you have to strap yourself in. Then you're like, right, well, um, okay, so, but, so that's just exhausting. And then two, if you don't think that you ever belong in the group, that when the saber-toothed tiger comes to attack your your group on the primordial planes or whatever, like, and, and they'll throw you to the tiger. You're not living in a place of safety. You're not living in a place of reality. Probably, you know, you're just living in fear and you're letting that fear and that ego run your life instead of being like, well, this is me. Sometimes I lie about Disneyland. I don't know why I did it or now I do better, you know, but, but I'm lovable. My question for you is how do you move forward in the future? Because I do have Mm. to tell you, even those teeny little lies I told as a young girl, when I finally came clean, there's something about the people don't trust you're going to be truthful. Sure. Yeah. No. So how do you move forward in the future now? You know, I think it comes across sometimes in like, I was just on a trip with my little brother. Um, and by trip, I mean, it's COVID time. Mm -hmm. So we, we are very lucky. My friend, um, have a little cabin up in Tahoe and we're like, no one's been there in months. You guys should go up there. It's COVID free. And like, just go get out into the, the wilderness for a second. And, and we did, and my brother and I were talking in the car and my mom always described us as I was the sun and he was the moon. And I think I took up a lot. I know, right? And he's the most wonderful, sincere, earnest, stoic sort of guy. And he's a scientist and I'm an artist. And, you know, but I think that in all of my lying and all of my half-truths and all my big stories, my yarn spinning, you know, that I took up a lot of the oxygen in the room and that I didn't Mm. allow the sun to shine on other people as much because I was so worried about if it would shine on me or not, you know? So I think that that's something I'm going to have to make peace with is listening as much as I talk 
you know, of, of sitting in my own discomfort and, and not apologizing for myself, because when you're apologizing, you're also taking up space and energy instead of just showing up for, you know, life, you got to show up. So I think that that's where the next step of the work is, is what I imagine. Oh, oh my God, that was so beautiful. Mm. I have to end here. Thank you so much for being so honest and vulnerable and telling us your secret. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. You're such a light. <laughs> if you want to be on the show, please email me at secretlifepodcast at iCloud.com. And until next time. Thank you again for listening to Secret Life Podcast. Please subscribe, share, send me a note. And you can always support the show with a donation on our site, secretlifepodcast.com. Until next time, bye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.